Thanks, guys. I'm just a little nervous, so bear with me. Um, I think I know most of you, um, but just in case, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. Good morning. Um, my name is Dave Nunez. I've, been, I've had the privilege of being made an elder here at All of Life Church. We've been here for about five years. Uh, my wife, Tracy, and our boys, Jared, Tyler, and Jacob, um, we originally came from um, somewhere in down south. Uh, I still work for the city of LA uh, in the fire department, and I travel back and forth to work, and I was off with a layup. I had, had a leg injury or surgery. Recently went back to work this week, and I did not miss it. So, um, But that's, that's enough about me. Let's get started. And hopefully, hopefully you will be blessed. I know I will be blessed because this is part of a progression of my discipleship. Um, but here we go. So what is the point? What is the point of life? What is the purpose of any of this, of any of the things in our lives? I know a little dramatic, but it's true. I might live a life with goals and objectives, but once they are accomplished, then what? In life, we need purpose. A life without purpose may become a life without hope. Sometimes it feels like we're just surviving. But then we get new goals, new objectives, new challenges in life. But then we can get lost on this treadmill of life, just moving and feeling like we're going nowhere. I guess my real question is, are we focused on the right point? Are we centered on the main purpose for our lives? Have we figured out what our main purpose is? Why did God create us? From early on, our, our purpose can be obscured. When we were little kids, kind of like the Cernic boys, I don't know where they're at, probably over there, two and four, um, our thoughts were like minute to minute, right? What's my next game? What's my next toy? What's my next snack? When's nap time? Um, as we grew older, got into grade school, uh, like middle school, um, boys like Tyler Falenko, Trevor Connor, uh, Nolan, hopefully we matured slightly, right? And we thought about how do we get good grades in school? Um, how can I do this chore well to impress my, my mom and dad? But the main question was, what's my next snack? How am I going to have fun today? As we entered high school, um, I'm using boys because that's mostly who I'm connected with. Just <laughs> I tried to think of girls. I talked to Tracy. I'm like, uh, I don't know any. <laughs> um, but like as we entered high school, kids like Samuel Salcedo and my own son Jake, um, they're focused on stuff like getting a driver's license or getting a car or getting a part-time job to buy a car. Or in their case, what's my next film festival movie, right? <laughs> um, and they along the way, I've probably discovered stuff like the opposite sex, and we, so we have to like, encourage them, hey, let's wait, wait on that stuff. Um, anyways, hopefully, we, hopefully they still focus on doing well in school and what opportunities they might have after school, kind of, kind of thinking about college or getting a good job. Um, but still, the main question is, and this is from their perspective, I'm starving, or how do I entertain myself? And 
it continues as we mature into adulthood and we start taking on greater responsibilities. Hopefully we moved out. Hopefully we bought a car, found a job, um, maybe started a business, maybe buying a home and eventually starting a family. But even as adults, we're not much different than those little kids. What's my next snack and how do I entertain myself? <laughs> and I like to say for me, like it hasn't been much different than that. Um, most of those things are good. As we get a job, as we get family, as we get a career, those things are all good. Um, from a little kid, I wanted to be a good athlete, so I practiced countless hours, and I played multiple sports thinking I was going to be this sports star. As that kind of faded, and uh, after school, I got good jobs, and one day I figured out, okay, I want to be a firefighter. So then I went to school, I got my EMT, I got into a fire academy, I volunteered for several years, all in the prep of trying to eventually test well and get that job, and I did. But as, as good as those things are, you know, eventually I started a family. And, and, and you know, obviously I, I had to get Tracy first before I started a family. <laughs> um, and you think all those things help you, to, help you to get to a place where your life is complete. But it still wasn't enough. There was still something missing. So today as we continue in the parables, my hope is we will find clarity and direction for some of these questions. Uh, let's pray. Father God, I just thank you um, for being with me today and, and along my discipleship journey. And Lord, I just pray that uh, you give those here ears to hear what you want them to hear today. Lord, I just pray that you bless our time and just fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. A little review on the parables. And I know we've been talking about parables in the kingdom of heaven, but this was just part of my prep, and, and so I'm going to share. The dictionary definition of a parable is a simple story um, used to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson that Jesus told in the Gospels. Jesus tells the disciples and, he, and us clearly that he, he speaks in parables, so those who have ears to hear will hear and seek Jesus. And then we've heard the, the phrase kingdom of heaven several times. And we'll hear it again today. Interestingly enough, Matthew uses the phrase kingdom of heaven some 30 times, while Mark, Luke, and John all use the phrase kingdom of God. They're very similar. The only difference is Matthew's audience was primarily Jewish, um, a Jewish audience that saw it as kind of blasphemous to speak directly to God. Both phrases refer to a kingdom. A kingdom is a physical place but it, all, it can also be a spiritual place. And that kingdom has a ruler, and that ruler is God. God's spiritual realm is both in heaven and in earth and can be in us too. Um, in Psalm 89, and if you have your black Bibles, it's on page 464. Uh, this is a proclamation from Ethan. I said I wouldn't drink water, but my mouth is dry. The heavens are yours, the earth also is yours, the world and all that in it is in it, you have founded them. When we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, you are now part of God's spiritual kingdom. Again, a kingdom needs a ruler, which is God, and a place. 
which is us. God rules in heaven and earth, which are physical places, and he rules in us when we accept him as our savior, which becomes his spiritual kingdom, us. So today, right now, you live in a kingdom. And as we continue to hear the phrase kingdom of heaven, I'd like you to reflect on the kingdom. Is the ruler Jesus or is it you? In Matthew, we're going to get started. Matthew chapter 13, uh, 44, page 768 in the Black Bibles. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has to buy that field. The parable is about a treasure and selling everything we have or giving up everything we have to gain it. In fact, the greatest treasure we could ever hope to gain. That treasure is Jesus and the salvation he offers that's eternal life in the kingdom of heaven. It talks about selling all we have. No matter who you are or how much you have, you don't have enough. If all of us in this room pulled everything we had, we don't have enough to save one person. The cost, if we're able to give it, is faith. It's belief in Jesus and a new way of living. And when Jesus calls us, we respond with repentance, turning away from our sin and following Christ. That the following of Christ is like finding a treasure. Here's the convicting part. If you are a believer, what kind of treasure is Jesus for you? Is he everything? Did you find a new way of living and understanding? Are you actively seeking relationship with God? in prayer, spending time in the word, through worship music, spending time with his family, your brothers and sisters here. When we find this treasure, this greatest treasure, we may have seasons of life where we have competing treasures. Uh, in Matthew 6.24, which we saw earlier in Matthew, no one can serve two masters, but he, he either hate the one and love the other, or he, he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And you can replace the word money with whatever, whatever's been a priority in your life. For me, when I didn't have Jesus and I wasn't following Jesus, it was those other things. It was career. It was family. It was a wife. It was a house. But if anything comes before God then you are serving two masters. When we find a treasure, what do we do with it? Do we even know it's a treasure? When we were kids, how many of you guys had baseball cards? I was talking to Matthew Nolan, and like for me, I still have some, right? And they're the good ones. But a lot of them got played with, and they got put in our bicycle spokes, and they got used to make that little motorcycle sound, right? Um, and if you're a girl, maybe you played with Barbies, and the clothes got changed, and you, you played with, you know, your sisters played with them, and they got handed down to cousins, and, but eventually they're like, oh, they're gone. And for other people, stuff like, you know, D&D or Pokemon or Hot Wheels or Beanie Babies or Star Wars, 
And I could go on, like we had things that we thought were treasures. And some of us probably do or did save those things and vacuum sealed them and they're a treasure stuffed away in our closet, right? But for most of us, they're, they're long gone and, and if we had them, we think, oh, we would have had a small fortune, right? Um, I know, I'll continue on. In verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding one great pearl went and sold all that he had to buy it and bought it. Again, very similar to the hidden treasure, which emphasizes the importance of the kingdom of heaven. While the treasure is hidden and then found, the pearl is being sought by the merchant. The merchant knows there is something greater than a snack or being entertained or the next accomplishment, right? Both the hidden treasure and the pearl are found, but they're not found by us solely, showing us that the spiritual truth is missed by many and cannot be found by intelligence or power or wisdom or worldly gain. It's the Holy Spirit working on our behalf, giving us ears to hear. And once we have this wisdom of Jesus in our, as our salvation, what do we do with that wisdom? When I came upon the call to worship, like, I'm hoping I can get through this, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I'm just going to be honest. Because the conversations that I have with guys doing men's ministry, a lot of them, they'll say, I'm dull. I'm not hearing God when I pray. And I don't always have words to tell them other than to get back into the word. Find how God is trying to speak to you through his word. And this spoke to me hugely. Proverbs 2 one through five. My son, if you receive any words, my words, and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as a hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and you will find the knowledge of God. Matthew told us earlier, in Matthew 13, 11 through 17, some will have eyes to see or ears to hear, and some people won't. They will have spiritual blindness, and to them the mysteries of the kingdom will remain hidden. So those who have been given eyes, if you've received the Lord by the Holy Spirit, you're given the secrets of heaven. You're discovering that as we invest time in the Lord and spend time with him in those things of Setting his word, praying, worship. And those secrets need to be shared as often as we have courage to share them. And the reason we need to share them is becoming clear as we move on to verse 47. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted into good containers and threw the bad away. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's hard to imagine. This parable is telling us of what happens at the end of the age. There will be judgment for mankind. God will separate those who responded to his call 
and the wicked will be separated and judged for their sin. When we respond to Jesus' call, that's just the beginning of our new life. Hopefully our life changes. Hopefully we have a, a new life filled with hope and love. We have purpose in our life. We have a reason to pursue the things with God at the, as the forefront because whether we fall down or whether we make great things, God is there loving us at all times. And hopefully that's giving us a life filled with hope and assurance as those things happen. So I implore you, don't stop sowing the seeds of the kingdom, not only in your heart, but in others. When you know Jesus, you want to give those you love and those who you may come to love the same hope that you have in Jesus and the kingdom of heaven. So more questions, and I'm going to throw questions at you all day because this is what I got out of it. Do you see Christ as your treasure? Do you know him today? Have you made the decision to follow Christ or are you the king of your life? And I'm going to pause for a second here because I want to answer, I want you to answer this question for yourself. And this is just honest, internally answer it. Do you believe Jesus is your greatest treasure? If the answer is no, I want you to consider your beliefs about the gospel. And we'll get into that. If the answer is yes, we should be preaching the gospel to ourselves daily so that we'll be prepared to speak it to others as best we can. The gospel. This is, this is the gospel as I see it. And I'm going to go through it real quick. God created heaven and earth, including everything, including men and women. Since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, all of mankind has fallen, and all of us are born in sin. Jesus is the Son of God and is equal with God. Through the Holy Spirit, Jesus was born to the Virgin Mary and lived a sinless life. Jesus was crucified and paid the price for his sins. Jesus rose from the dead. We are saved by the grace of God and nothing we can do. And Christ finished work on the cross as full payment for our sin. Salvation faith involves an act of commitment and trust in which you cannot commit your life to Jesus and trust him alone as your savior. And I lost my place. <laughs> I'm gonna do that one more time, sorry. Take two. Salvation faith involves an act of commitment and trust in which you commit your life to Jesus and trust him alone as your savior. The reason I ask all this is because if you don't know Jesus, you can accept him today. You can change your life today. Your sin will be washed clean. You can know the love of a good, good father who actually has been with you the entire time. going to pray. Father God, if there's anybody here today, Lord, that, that wants to know you, Lord, give them the courage. Give them the courage to ask the question, to seek you. Um, we'll have time after the service. Uh, if somebody wants to pray with them, Lord, just give them the courage. Give them the courage to, to hear what you have for them to hear. Thank you, Lord. Moving on to verse 51. 
have you understood all these things? And this is the thing where, after hearing the parables, I wonder if the disciples kind of looked around and said, yes. Because <laughs> who knows? I mean, and so and Jesus said, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out his treasure, what is new and what is old. Scribes in the Jewish faith were teachers of the law and can draw legal documents based on the Mosaic law of the Old Testament, which is referred to as what is old. The truths the disciples were to teach included both the new treasure of Jesus and his teachings, and then also how it fulfills the old promises of the Old Testament, which basically covers the entire Bible, as we know it. When we find wisdom and are given hope, and as we study the Old Testament, one example that I found um, was in Isaiah 7.14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. This well-known prophecy was written 700 years before Jesus gave, or Mary gave birth to Jesus. And the son was not only born of a virgin, but Emmanuel means God with us. We are not scribes. I, I don't pretend to be a scribe. I'm a disciple of Jesus. But as disciples, all of us should be earnestly seeking Jesus and his ways so we can live them and impart them as best we can. As we have courage, speak them to others to give them the same hope and love that Jesus has given us. And as we proclaim our greatest treasure, Jesus, and the gospel, that allows the Holy Spirit to give those who have ears to hear. It's not us. It's not it's not what we say, it's not how we say it, it's the Holy Spirit moving in them. But if we never say a word, then I don't know, maybe the Holy Spirit doesn't have a chance to work as well as he could. So if I'm to sum up all these verses, this would be like the quick and dirty, right? What God is, he is our greatest treasure. And God sees us as his greatest treasure as evidenced by the sacrifice of his son Jesus on the cross. And there will be a judgment day for all of us. And as his disciples, we are to, as best we can, gain the knowledge of Jesus and his ways so as best we can, we can impart God's truth and hope and let the Holy Spirit do the rest. The kingdom of heaven was God's plan from the beginning. And so how do you respond to the king? If you have responded to God's calling, that's when the kingdom of heaven begins for you. We get glimpses of heaven living with God's people. When Jesus is in your heart and you're earnestly seeking him and you're turning away from the things of the world, over time, we find ways, Jesus' way in our heart. And we, we see glimpses of that with relationships because everybody's not perfect. None of us are perfect. And it's not a perfect experience at all. But the promise of God gives us love and hope and meaningful relationships. But the response to Jesus doesn't stop once we've accepted him. 
How you continue to respond determines the depth of Jesus in your heart and in your life. Following Jesus is a relationship. It's not a one and done. When I met my wife and we went on our first date, 30 years later, are we here? No, it's not. You have to invest. You, you have to invest to get the most out of that relationship. You have to spend time with that person. Tracy. Jesus. You have to make sacrifices. You have to serve one another. And I'll get to more of that in a second. There's some questions, and we always have questions that are on the board. And these you can just kind of let them, let them kind of stew in you a little bit. But have I truly accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior? Is God my greatest influencer? Do I see Jesus as my greatest treasure? My original question, what is the point? What is the purpose in life? For me, life has had many hardships and many disappointments. And yes, I've experienced plenty of joy and plenty of happiness in life as well. And I won't stand here and promise you that when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your problems will magically go away because they won't. There's no magic. You'll still have problems and you'll still continue to have ups and downs, good things, great experiences, low experiences. But what will change is you will have a father who loves you and who has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our lives with promise until he returns. And as I abide with God in relationship through prayer, spending time in the Bible, worship, music, our faith grows stronger and our trust in Jesus and the plan he has for our lives becomes more assured. Where you spend your time, that's a reflection of your heart. If you're spending all your time with one thing, that's a reflection of you. If you're spending all your time with the world, your life's going to look like the world. But as we draw to God and as we abide in him with prayer and spending time in his word, the things of the world, they don't have a chance, right? They don't have time because we're spending time in other areas that grow us in Jesus. And when we do that, all of life's problems, like they don't seem so big when we have Jesus leading the way. All, all the stuff of the world that the world tells us that we need to make our lives happy and complete, it doesn't seem so necessary. Our greater purpose becomes clearer. What becomes important is love. What becomes important is loving others well. Don't get me wrong. We'll let people down. They'll let people will let us down because we still have a fallen nature. But with Jesus, it's a different, different response. With Jesus as our first love, the hurts don't hurt as bad. And we find it easier to forgive. And when we are the offender, we find it easier to ask to be forgiven. Hopefully this helps us to become more selfless, to love our families well. And whatever checkbox it is for you, like for me, it's, it's not being so easily angered, but finding ways to serve my family better, to serve my friends better, 
so I can speak to their heart, so I can love them in the way God loves me. And then all of you in the room, brothers and sisters, our church family, developing relationships by talking to people on Sunday, by joining a small group, or serving, or a DNA, or coming like tonight on Sunday. Taking things out of the world and leaving those behind and filling them with things that are godly, godly people. Again, not perfect, but we start to change. And as much as we are all different people, we have so much in common and start to realize it when we spend time together. We're not so different. We have the same hurts. We have the same wants, the same needs. But the one thing we have in common is we, are all, we were all made in the image of our greatest treasure, Jesus. Let us pray. Father God, I just thank you. I thank you for loving me as intently as you did, as you do. Lord, I, I pray that everybody here today is seeking you earnestly, that you are giving those who you have planned a beautiful and gracious life and given them plans that they don't see yet, that as they abide in you, that they will start to, to chase you. They will start to find you. They will slowly transform their life from the world to the world of you leading it. Lord, I'm grateful for everybody here, and I just thank you and bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.